This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, August 28, 2021. Dornall, how was your week? Bro, it's been a pretty good week on and off. Working from home is still the pits, but it's better than the alternatives. And uh, as far as the outside goes, it's the last hurrah of summer. The days are getting shorter, but it's 70 degrees and nice for the past week. So life is good. What can I say? Uh, in geek news, in, in in geeky news, we've uh, playtesting has has resumed for super secret uh, combat frame XC project number two, and uh, so we're ramping up the excitement on that one. I hope to have more information for you guys uh, in the winter as that gets rolling. I've got some news, but I want to let you finish first. Well, that's all I got for this week, DW. I'm ready for you to blow my mind, DW. How was your week? Well, this actually had nothing to do with my week. It was just news that crossed my desk last night as I was doing my normal thing. Um, And... uh, I don't want to talk about the politics of the situation because the news itself is so awesome. I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. It was hilarious. As part of their investigation into an incident that occurred on January the 6th, the uh, the Congress has appointed a committee, and the committee has decided, in its infinite wisdom, to subpoena vast amounts of records. Um, bearing on a wide range of topics, not just the incident on the 6th of January, from about 30 different uh, social media sites, including last night, the news told me 4chan and 8kun. 4chan. Congress has subpoenaed posts from 4chan. They have voluntarily asked for posts dealing with 
the 2020 election. And 4chan, and this is where things get more delicious than I know what to do with. If they comply, 4chan will pass along electronic records of all the posts on the site anonymous posts that can't be traced to anyone dealing with the 2020 election and congressional staffers are going to have to read through every single slash post meme slash poll me every single slash b poop post every single random errant thought of any anon on the entire site about the election they're going to have to wade through Oh, wow. (laughs) The Congress has volunteered to bathe in the records of fortune. (laughs) Maybe going back for years. I, 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 I take it they don't really understand the magnitude of the undertaking. I don't think they've underst- they understand at all what they've asked for and what's going to happen to them. You, you heard these news stories of Facebook censors getting suicidally depressed or becoming radicalized right-wingers because of all the memes they have to review and censor. And I just imagine in my mind all these congressional interns and staffers going insane and becoming slash poll uh, anons and B-tards, and Q-tards, and uh, pizza gators because of all these memes and posts and everything they have to dig through. I just, I want to hear stories of them going nuts. (laughs) They just, they just let themselves in for the modern version of a uh, H.P. Lovecraft, one of his books, you know, like the Necronomicon. Reading 4chan that much is like the modern day Necronomicon. They're taking a sand hit that I I don't think they are prepared or, or even understand that that's what's going to happen. And I, 
I just I want to hear about them becoming anons because of this, and and they're going to start sending Holocaust paypays to people. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, those. Yeah, those 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 are pretty wretched places. Whew. That's my news from last night. Is is just this? That's what we just want. Some things you shouldn't volunteer for, and Congress has volunteered for that because they don't understand the world in which they live. I just love the idea of things like. Um, 4chan posts and Pepe memes just getting into the congressional record. Just that's what that's what I want. You know, generations later, people look back at, at the history, and and I imagine some student of of American history, like what was you know what was the United States like right before the fall, and and the professor would be like, you know what, I. You don't need to read that chapter. You can just <laughs> skip the chapter on 4chan. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. That's amazing. Oh. oh. It, it's glorious. It's awesome and it's glorious and it makes me weep almost just thinking about it. <laughs> I love it. And the, the people who to quote a bad movie I've never seen, I wanted to say, are you people knocking butts? <laughs> yeah, you know, for well for all the people trying to dick in and and try and figure out what's going on with this internet culture. Uh, they deserve everything they get. Yeah. And and we deserve everything we get for making the internet real. And they think that they're, or, or they claim, they ostensibly claim, they're trying to get to the bottom of Russian hackers who hacked the election. Oh, they're still going with that line, huh? That's that's why that it's justified is is Russians uh, were interfering with the election, and, and that's what this is all about. That's that's why this is is good and right and and justified. I'm like, well, I don't care. I mean, sometimes if you get what you ask for. It, it genuinely, uh, you know, it genuinely will will drive you mad. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, yes, everybody in Washington deserves everything they get. Yes. Ah, uh, that's so not I'm too extreme, keep you guys. I'm going to keep you guys abreast of the developing situation. If, uh, you know, if I hear any updates on that or 
what goes on. Maybe there'll be a court case. Maybe 4chan will fight this. Uh, I don't know. Does Moot still run the place? Mm, I thought he gave up a long time ago. Um, I don't know. I actually don't. I don't yeah. know that much about 4chan. I'm gonna. I'm, not... uh, I'm gonna keep you updated on this. And if anything especially hilarious happens on that front, uh, I will deliver the hilarity to you, our audience, because uh, I mean, really, what the hell? That's it. Mr. Pepe goes to Washington. That's it. That's what I'm going to label <laughs> this se segment of the show. That'll be in the show notes later. Hey, thanks for joining us, Carlos. Right. Uh, quick shout out, shout out to the chat. Ardenon's here. Thanks, man. Uh, Bradford Walker. Hey, how's it going? Um, go read his blog, bradfordcwalker.blogspot.com. Uh, John Dacre makes DM. Hello, Rawl. Rawl wants to play RPGs, but real life keeps getting in the way. Stick with it, man. And as soon as you establish that one-to-one -one time, it won't matter who can show up. Um, and Coyote Khan, welcome. It's good to see you guys here. But let's let's talk to our guest, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a guest. We got a great guest. Yeah. And uh, according to my chat history, uh, he hasn't been on since January. So welcome back to the show, Yakov. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I haven't had much I haven't anything coming out in a while, so you know it's been a little quieter. But uh, it is nice to be here again. Yeah. Now you were telling me before the show, um, and this is for anybody who who hasn't listened to our Yakov shows before. You're a independent author who loves his science fiction, and you've got a, a space series, and you're you've also got a what's called a what they call it an isekai series. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so. We were talking before the show, and active. things have been. He's also active duty military. Not anymore. I got out uh, about a year ago, actually, right hey. before COVID hit. It was actually I worked out pretty nice that. since I didn't get stuck on base for months. Oh, yeah, right did. on time. And my, my brother actually drafted right after it all started. He was his first four months. He was on, like, no, like, he was like two months straight on base, and that was uh, oh, an experience for him. That's awful. Yeah, and I, I spoke with someone else who was on uh, in the military, and for overseas deployments, he has spent over the past years a total of something like sixteen weeks in quarantine. Just, just yeah, my brother, uh, just by those policies. He never got he never got it, but like he was near people who had it, so he got put like on, on base quarantine for like a total of like two or three weeks over the last year. He didn't get his first full week off until he drafted in March. He got his first full week off in like July. So, uh, woof. Well, yeah. I hope I hope I hope they're kinder than the. You're talking the Israeli military, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're. They, so I've heard a couple things about the U.S. military where uh, they've got such a need for people in various theaters that it's like, okay, so you just finished your you know, mandatory two week quarantine. And so now your leave is up because it was a two week leave. So now we're going to send you back out. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't sound it's, fun. It's here, rough it's, here, it's, yeah, here it's just mostly the same. And it's only, you know, everybody's within country. So it's only, it's, you know, a little simpler. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, it, so, 
But you were saying that, you know, for you, because you're out now, life has settled down for a little bit, and you've just sort of been plugging away. So it has been a slow year for you, except now you're ready to release some books. Yes, I'm going to be, God willing, putting out five books before the end of the year. (laughs) So. I hope you wrote them all. Making up for lost time. Yes, yes. They were, I wrote like three or three or four of these five during the first lockdown last year. It just took enough longer to get everything like ready and crowdfunded and then all the art done because there are internal arts in each book. There are seven internal illustrations per book. So that took time to get done. Plus I had some delays because my artist lives in the Philippines and their internet apparently is from what I understand is very, very bad sometimes. So there've been periods of time where he couldn't get online for, for lengths of time that slowed everything down, but everything is fortunately gotten to the point where everything is ready. Now I'm just waiting on the formatting of, um, well, of books two to five right now. And that should be getting here any day now. So, All right. Well, it's, you've, you've got a lot of dangling threads there. That's going to be my new... Yes. <laughs> that's going to be my new phrase uh, when I'm talking to guests now. Uh, so let's recapitulate just for the folks who... And I'm going to put your Amazon page up here okay. uh, for those of you watching live. Um can you tell me a little more about the book series that you wrote? And then I want to get into the nitty gritty details on all that stuff you talked about. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very different kind of story, a much simpler story than what I did with galaxy ascendant. Cause that was like a very big scope, like very, like a lot of viewpoint characters, space opera. Whereas this is a much more narrow story. It's a single person, single character viewpoint, first person. And uh, it's a very a much simpler story of a IDF soldier who gets isekai to a fantasy world, and uh, and he gets pretty involved in, in goings on on this world. I mean, it's hard to really say because I've already written six books. I have to figure out what I can say without spoiling stuff from like later books because like there's a pretty big, I guess, I don't know if really a twist or a pretty big plot turn at the end of book one that really sets the stage for the later books that uh, I don't want to spoil for people, but he. I mean, he's like, I think I think I described it once as like the character basically went to hell with a prime directive from Star Trek. Like, I'm going to interfere as much as I want because I, I could make things better. <laughs> so, uh, Love so it. Yeah, he proceeds to get very involved and also takes a full advantage of not being in a military structure where he has no authority anymore. He gets to you know decide what he wants to do. And he has some authority and some influence even at the very beginning minimal at the beginning but he has enough that he could do what he wants and where he's where he needs to, what he where he needs to be helping or who he needs to be helping and uh it's been a lot of fun to work on cool um all right let me ask you about that about that character because this is something that i don't recall you talking about last time we spoke which is the idea that he's removed from that command structure in the military so how does that change the way this soldier acts and reacts to all the crazy stuff that happens in the book well it's mainly just that he doesn't have to answer to anybody anymore at least not in the same way as before so he is not constrained by rules of engagement he's not constrained by politicians especially so if he sees that something is happening in a place and he decides that's what happens pretty early in, in this in the first book that is, so there's a problem somewhere and he could potentially help and he's going to do it even if he's ten, even if he's technically 
quote unquote supposed to go to something else now because he was summoned here for some reason that he doesn't he doesn't know what the reason is when he first arrived. He just kind of arrives in the middle of nowhere. And um but he once he finds out that there's a problem, then also probably kind of reminds him of a problem that was it was like was going on back home. So he uh he decides, well here I could actually make a difference and here I could actually do something and make sure that it gets resolved in a proper way and and that's what he sets out to do. And that's really the first book is just him working on getting that single problem resolved as he also kind of adapts to this new setting and makes some friends and um, and learns more about his nobility that he gets when he gets to this world, which is uh, and it's not really a spoil. He gets he gets I mean he gets the title is kind of a hint to he gets light magic because he can control light basically. Because I wanted uh I wanted to give him some kind of ability that was not an overpowered one because I don't like those kind of stories because it just those get boring where main characters are overpowered in a lot of these isekai stories. And I wanted an ability that was that required the character to be clever about how he uses it to make it effective. And also obviously it lent well to the title idea. So uh I just ran with that. I think I see where you're you're going with that. You uh instead of the main character being the all-powerful, you know, f uh, prophesized one who's going to save everybody with his sheer power. It's uh, he has, yeah, he, he he does have some supernatural ability, but it's his. What would you say about him that makes him successful? And I'm assuming that he's successful. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, what what makes him, it, it, if not his, you know, prophesized gift or whatever special powers, or what makes your main character, what's his name? Uh, Uriel. Uriel. What what makes Uriel successful as a fish out of water in, you know, your crazy fantasy world? Uh, well, part of it is just his personality that he is like a mushroom. Also, the other departure, I guess, in a lot of. I guess more than played isekai is that I have a very, like a very proactive main character. A lot of those characters you see are very reactive to what they're being told to do or what they're supposed to do. So he's a much more proactive character where he sees, you know, I said he sees a problem, he wants to resolve it and do it his way. And I mean, also obviously, and also his knowledge that he brings from, from him, from our world. I mean, whether it's knowledge about how similar situations played out or just knowledge about, you know, from his military training, from his, general tactics or or just how to how to organize things and um and also potentially technological knowledge that he might bring from uh from this world that they don't have access to in this in the fantasy world so all of those things and I, I wanted a character who has to rely on on being clever to uh solve his problems about being clever and also his friends it's also a lot of the problem i have a lot of stuff in the genre is that the supporting characters or the side characters often become superfluous because the main character is just too powerful. So I wanted to have that kind of build a squad that he has and you can see them all on the cover. All of the main group is on the various covers that when they get into big fights, they're really all needed because on his own, he doesn't have a whole lot of offensive ability beyond, you know, his, his weapons. I mean, his, he figures out some more clever things to do with his magic later on, but he's at the very beginning. I mean, his magic basically lets him create a flashlight or like a strobe light, and uh, and then some other things to like, you know can play around with bending light a little bit, also for illusions or things like that. But you can't 
can't win a fight, you know, by blasting somebody with that. So he does have to rely more on his allies to to help win, win these bigger fights, especially against more powerful enemies as they uh, will encounter over the course of the series. Cool. Uh, and this maybe says more about me than anything else, but I just now I got the name of the series, Light Into Another World. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, all right. I don't want you to spoil too much about what happens in the book. So I, I want to know a little bit more about the, you know, the technical aspects of putting this whole thing together. So you wrote, like you said, you wrote a bunch of them in, in one year and you're preparing to release them all at once. So first of all, what made you want to do that? Write all five books and then release them? Um, well, if I have people have said, I mean, I don't know if it's, it's never one size fits all, but obviously the to constantly be having new stuff coming out, you know, does help with like the Amazon algorithms and just keeping up interest. So it is there is, I mean, and that's like up in the self-publishing world, the indie publishing world, it's just really helpful to always have something new to be talking about especially if it's in the same series, because when the second book comes out, Amazon will boost it a little bit. And then you can, um, and then you, you can help, you know, get more people to see the whole series and they'll buy the whole thing. And then just, it hopefully will keep building on itself. By I know people won't be forgetting about it because they're coming out on a regular basis. I mean, these, these first five, it'll probably be a little bit more of a gap between the next batch of books. Like it's going to be uh, like my, my, my plan hopefully is to like leapfrog like five at a time basically so like the next kickstarter will be for book six through ten i'm currently writing book seven and um and just keep that up and then those five i'll release also one after the other one like each a month apart and all the way until i finish this series and then move on to whatever's next but i really want to just keep it keep it moving and also these are short books so i could have i'm able to do them more quickly these are only 50,000 words a piece, roughly. Compared to my previous series, they were all 100,000 plus. So uh, it's Got also it. a little bit of a departure. And, you know, more products to sell also. It helps. That makes sense. It sounds like a business marketing decision. But yeah, how do you... And also, plan the, art is, and also the art is a little cheaper, too. That, that helps also. <gasps> The art is a little cheaper. What do you mean by that? I mean, compared to my previous series, I mean, those are like, you know, those are all hand painted, the Galaxy Ascendant covers. So obviously those are going to cost more for the artist to produce than, and these are all digitally, and they're still really, really good, but they're digitally done and the art style is a little bit simpler. So, um, so it's a little bit more affordable because I, I wouldn't want to do a $700 cover art for a 200 page book or less because it just feels like, like I just, it just won't be financially feasible or make the Kickstarter need to raise a lot more to be able to afford everything. So for this, these are much cheaper so I could afford to do that. Also, obviously, internal art kind of brings it up again, but not not enough that it, I mean, it is still, these are still easier to produce in terms of cost involved for production than, uh, than my previous books that had much more expensive covers. But it doesn't mean they're any worse. These are just different art style and done digitally. And uh, but there's also I wanted this style anyway. For this kind of series also i think it hopefully will help sell because anime style stuff is pretty popular right now and 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 maybe uh, the type of reader who 
who likes that kind of style is going to like your book yeah. anyway. Yeah, and they seem to be more open to new things than Star Wars fans are. Um, so I think it's better better target audience also. Yeah. Uh, so how much of that decision was a reaction to your space opera series versus just wanting to do something new? Like, how, how did your original series factor into what you did here, if that makes um, sense? I don't know if it factored in that much. I mean, apart from wanting to do something different, I wanted to try something shorter, like shorter books. I mean, it'll still be a longer series, but I wanted to do shorter books because it's just, again, I wanted to try out releasing things more quickly and more regularly. So that was another reason. Also, I mean, I felt like it could be a good idea to switch to do a different genre for this one because... Like I said, it's hard, and it does. I mean, I'm sure there is a way to market it better, but marketing space opera is a little bit more a bit of a challenge because the biggest potential fan base doesn't really want to read anything that's not their big brand, even if they hate the big brand. So uh, that, that was a part of it, but mostly we just I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something fantasy this time, and uh, I've been watching a lot of anime stuff, and it was like, you know, I said, like, why not try this myself? And uh, that's, uh, that's that's how we got to where we are now. Heck yeah! Now I I just assumed that five books was the end of your story, but you're you're planning oh, no. six through ten and further. Yeah, I, I don't have an exact number yet. It's probably gonna edge around twenty if I just based on what I know needs to happen, like in a general sense, and how many books. The books are short. I mean, word count wise, it probably will come out about the same, or maybe a little bit longer than my previous series. But each book is half the length. Or less, even in some cases, like one third the length, I think, of a couple of them. So, word count wise, it won't be that much longer. It'll just be it's just more books, which obviously also means it's more products to sell. So, that also is potentially another reason to do short books because you could you know, have more books out there. I mean, it doesn't it just obviously cost more for the art because you have to put art for each book, but beyond that, um, there is just more out there and you can reach the magic, the magic 20 books market. Something we'll talk about a little faster too. But mostly, I just wanted to do something a little bit lighter, but something simpler also. Like I said, it's with the only only had the one viewpoint character in this series, so that's also a departure from what I did before. My my previous series, we had as I had as many as I think the maximum I topped out at was nine in one book. Although more often it was like around seven or eight for most of the wow. books. So uh, so I wanted something a little simpler just to. Like recharge. I'm going to go back to that sort of thing at some point eventually, but I want it is good to kind of let that part of my brain you know, take time off, recharge, and then get back into uh, that. I guess once the series is done, or I don't know, I have I have too many products I want to do, and not enough not enough time or money to do them right now. So, oh, uh, I've heard that problem. before. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, how do you plan it all out? I'm curious about your writing. Uh, you know your writing process. Do do you have the whole thing heavily outlined, so you know, eh, this will take about twenty books, but I know exactly where it's going, or uh, or do you outline every individual book or something else entirely? It's kind of a mix of both because I have like a general idea of where everything's going to go. Like, like I know where I know how it's going to end more or less. I know like basically all or most of the major moments of the major plot points that I want to happen at some point or need to happen based on what's going on. 
but I've only outlined like I only outline up to a few books ahead. Like I outline the first five, more or less at the same time, and then I outline the next five. But because I think I realized what I was, I really can't outline more than four to five books ahead because if I change anything, even something small along the way, then it just it would down the line and just get more repercussions of having to revive my outline. So it just and it's too hard to it just that's just too far away to be able to really outline effectively, at least for me. So I just I limit it to like also like roughly four or five books ahead of where I am now. Like I said, I have outlines I've booked up to book ten outlined right now. And I think once I finish writing book seven or book eight, I'll probably start outlining books eleven through fifteen. I'll be close enough to where I've already outlined everything that I could then safely start outlining and not have to change much uh, once I actually get to writing those. And uh, the, but the outlines themselves aren't that complicated. I mean, they're just shorter than my other outlines. My previous series could have been a much simpler series. I don't have to worry about different characters and different places and how their plot lines intertwine because they're only following the same one guy the whole time. So it makes it a lot easier in terms of managing everything because... It all revolves around him in terms of uh, what, what we're seeing. So that also makes the outlines easier to do this time. And that's good. And that makes it easier for you to pump out smaller books on, yeah. you know, as time allows around, uh, you know, other, your regular work schedule and everything. Yeah. You've got a, I, we, we were talking before the show that you've got a day job. So this is definitely a, uh, something that you're still working on as a, yeah. uh, as a side gig or yeah, it's more I mean, than it, a it, it, well it, it almost it almost feels like i'm working two jobs sometimes because there's so many things involved in this that like my parents are telling me that i should put this on my resume and like play it up more as like a small business because it kind of is it's just very very small business but it is like a small business at this point between the equipment especially factory and the crowd funds and this is my best crowd fund uh by far for any of my books when i did one for this series like it was I mean, I was trying to raise more also, but it was, I mean, I raised more than twice as much as my previous high. So, I mean, I don't know if that's just a factor of, uh, because of the type of series it is, or I just have more people who read my stuff now or, or what, but, uh, it seems to be working, but it is like, there's like a whole, I mean, beyond the art and, uh, the, getting the formatting done. And there's also like the, the internal arts that adds another layer of complexity and things I have to manage. I also actually, um, uh, bought, partial rights to use two old Israeli songs like lyrics in two of the books. So I actually, I, I actually bought, did that like a, you know, a month ago. I, I finally uh, found the company for that. That's uh, that was uh, worth it. Um, and it was, it wasn't that expensive. That was kind of surprised how cheap it was, but that's like another aspect of like something else that I had to do to get these books. on. I didn't want to include anything in there that would get me in trouble later. So I had to find who to contact, and that took forever. But uh, so I think mean, it really is. I mean, it really is like I said, it's a very small business, but it technically is a small business at this point, and hopefully it'll uh, it'll keep growing. But that just makes it more fun, I guess. I. I got distracted there for a second. Apparently, I'm I'm yeah. showing you YouTube my uh my Amazon yes. cart. That's funny. <laughs> All right, I'll stop that. Hmm. 
the other thing I really wanted to get into was you mentioned a couple of times your illustrator. Now we yes. talked about we talked about your guy last time in January, the the guy in the Philippines who did your covers. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, apparently you've done a lot of interior art illustration. Yes, and, those and are all my. Yeah, I don't want to bring any of them up. They're all like I have an Instagram page that I have a lot of them. All the non-spoilery ones I think are up there now. I don't know if there's an easier place to, to look at them. Or, or my web website has a few, I think. But I think that I haven't updated my website in a while. I'm pretty bad with that. But yeah, internal arts, I wanted because, I mean, it's something that comes with the light novel territory. In most cases, is internal art. And again, because the art is cheaper to produce, I'm able to afford to have as many. Well, I had afford to have a bunch, and then I was able to add a few more per book because the Kickstarter hit. Uh, like three stretch goals to add additional artwork for each book. So, uh, so yeah, the same guy did the internals as the covers, and I really, really, really happy with his argument. It's like I don't think I could have found somebody who could do a better job for what I want, especially not at you know the rates he charges. Like it's like I don't think I, I don't think I could find anybody else. I'm really glad that I'm like we're, we're working together well. He really seems to enjoy the work too. Not just because it's work, but also because he seems to like be interested in the series, and he actually and he gives really good input on his own. Like he doesn't robotically just try and draw what I describe in like little couple sentences. He actually will like think about it and like he'll suggest stuff sometimes. Like for a few of the artworks, I don't know if there are any in book one. There is one in book one, but he his he actually came up with the idea of making it a multi-panel art, like almost like a manga page instead of just a single artwork, because some scenes that are more dynamic kind of require um you see one of them right there that's a two panel uh illustration so uh, so that was his idea to do is we have we have like a whole bunch of those i don't know how many exactly but we have i think at least one or two per book that come out that way so uh so yeah well, that's he's awesome. Really fun. also i'm working with him now actually on another project that's very very early like uh, actually a manga project that i'm going to try and start working on more heavily next year but i want to get a lot of the concept are done for that and he was like like i was describing like a flight suit that i want some of the characters to be wearing and he came back with like a whole page of like notes about each part of the suit and what what does what what is here and there and just uh a really uh like much more like he put more thought into that than i put into it so it's really fun to work with him and i really want to keep working with him uh for a long time as long as i have need for art in this style i'm probably gonna just stick with the same guy so that's a great partnership. He sounds like he yeah. really loves what he does and, and yeah, gets into a few the... times a few times he's either he even like asked me about like a couple of plot points because obviously he's doing the art for all, he's on the art for all the books, so he's you know, he's seen some spoilers. So he's like been able he's like asked me occasionally about uh, like if what's what this is or whatever and because he seems to be actually have an interest in the project beyond just, you know, its work. So so yeah, that's cool. You can check that out. I don't have Instagram, so I'll uh, have to. I'll, I'll put, but I'll put that link in the show notes. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also that's post ninja it. videos there when I when I can go to the gym again. <laughs> nice. Okay. I love it. Okay, so so here's the follow up question. So you're doing these, yeah. this this light novel series, and you've got a really cool artist who's excited and he does the style that you want and he, he goes above and beyond you know what you yeah. need so when is your comic series coming out 
I don't know. It depends on um, how long it takes for me to get the hang of scripting. I mean, I've done maybe nine or ten pages that I've written up so far. Actually, meaning to have to ask him what he wants to do. I know different artists, I guess, like different amounts of, of like different levels of detail in what they get tend to do. Because like I said, he's already been really good with like like understanding what the scene is and being able to like portray it in almost comic form already. So I want to ask, and I actually have to ask him if, uh, like, how, in terms of like figuring out how the panels get placed, because that's something that I have no experience with, and I have to like kind of visualize it, and it's tough to do compared to. I mean, the, the scripting part is not so hard for me, but figuring out, you know, how to arrange panels and what size and what shape—that's something that I it's hard to visualize. So I'm going to try and see if we could continue like with his input on that. But for now, he's just working on character concept art. I, I also. Um, have another artist that I found who's just who's like specializes in uh, spaceship art. So he's doing all of uh, all of like he did all he did all all of the human um, starfighters for the series. It's basically basically it's girls and Panzer meets the last starfighter is the the comic uh, elevator pitch. So Adam and girls flying flying starfighters uh, in space. But so I already have a bunch of the artwork from separate artists who specializes in the in ships did a bunch of the ships and my artist who's gonna hopefully be do who's gonna be doing the actual comic itself so he's working on character concept art and uh thank you actually just sent me today i have to go over it he sent me like character expressions for a bunch of the main characters that i just need to approve before we move on to coloring there so uh awesome. so, my, so, so my hope is Sometime next year, I like think what I would have to do is also I want I'd have to figure out how to time things. I want to keep working on going into another world, obviously, but I don't want so I want I, I need to make sure like that one Kickstarter is fulfilled before the next one is launched because I want I don't want to be one of those guys who uh, who starts a million crowd funds and then doesn't fulfill them forever or or like starts a new one before the other one is fulfilled. So I, what I would hopefully do is kind of in between one of the batches from this series do a crowdfund like an initial crowdfund to get started on that and then you know maybe like kind of you know like alternate between the two or whatever but i mean the big reason i want to do a comic also because i could have kind of because there's less writing involved because there's fewer words to write for a script even though it's obviously more complicated in other ways it's just a lot less for me to do in terms of words on the page so it's it's, it's something that i could more effectively do two products at once in terms of writing time than two book series at once. So I wanted to try that. Also, it was a fun idea I wanted to write and it seemed like it needed to be in a comic versus a book because when you're like, especially when you have like, it's the whole focus is on, you know, like dog fighting in space. So it just worked much better in a visual medium, I felt. So that's why I wanted to, to do that. So I'm gonna hopefully start posting and sharing stuff from that uh, maybe end of the year. And then hopefully do a Kickstarter for that at some point next year. I don't know when. I mean, for sure, be after the second Kickstarter for this series, but I don't know how long after, or uh, exactly when. Hopefully, I'll figure that out more once I, once I write more and once all the basic, like preliminary concept art is done, then I'll have a better idea. That's good. You got some support from Fiona Wolf in chat, who yes. encourages you not to George Martin it. Yeah, that's my number one. Uh, apart from making money with the books, that's my number. I don't. I don't want to do that with uh, with any of my uh, series 
if I can help it. And obviously, I want to get things done quickly, get things, and you know, keep things moving in a timely manner, keep keep up to date when, when there are delays, because life happens. Um, just uh, just keep people in the in the loop, and get get the work done. So uh, so far, I've been able to manage it. I mean, I said with delays occasionally, but that's inevitable in life. And uh, just get more stuff out, get people excited about it, and because I'm excited about it, it's fun. And it was a very different kind of series that I did that I did before. So I really also, I guess, it's really been a fun. I guess not really a detox, but a fun thing to do after um, like the much more complex um, series to so just do something a little bit lighter, a little bit simpler. And in a, you know, a different style completely. So, and I first first person. I think anything that I've read, I might have written a short story at some point that I don't think I publish anywhere in first person. But I don't think I've ever written anything long in first person ever. So this is a new thing for me also, and it was uh, more fun than I expected. Oh yeah, which style do you like better? And I, well, I think in most cases I do tend to prefer third person. But I mean, some stories like this story, I realized at the beginning when I first started planning it, that this really demanded first person, both because of, I mean, it's common in light novels in general, but also because of how much I wanted to be able to convey the proper info I wanted to convey with this character. First person was much better for that than third, where you could, it's much more easy to fall into info dumps and things like that. This with first person, it's much, least for me, it's easier to convey more information in like a natural way when you have that close first person perspective. Plus I wanted to keep it simple. And if I'm first person, then it forces me to keep it simple and not have, you know, all these diverging viewpoints all over the place. So there's also just like, it's almost like a, like a restraint, restraint on me that I can't let it get out of hand. So that was part of it too. Love it. So you're probably going to stick with that sort of thing, at least in the near future between your comics and your, yeah, and well, finishing the comic, this yeah, well, comic is different altogether. But yeah, but this series obviously going to stay first person. I mean, I'm going to do more third person eventually once I go back to my Docu-Sentient universe or other, you know, if I do more, you know, classic epic fantasy, it's again at some point. I mean, that'll be, you know, also third person with more viewpoints. But I do like being able to have like some series that are that are like this and some that are like that because I get it also just it's nice to alternate between different types of projects. I also have a separate series that I'm doing like on, on Patreon. I have uh, a, a mecha serial that I've been running the last thing for since uh, two months ago. I started that, so like a uh, like seven to ten thousand word installments every month, and that's that's third person, but it's only one viewpoint at least right now. I'm probably gonna keep it that way, but uh, so I'm trying to. Uh, I'm kind of working on three projects at once, but two of them are kind of smaller projects for now, so I can manage it with everything else that I'm doing. Well, I, I mean, you really stuck the landing with the uh, space opera. So I'm looking forward to see what comes out when you juggle all these little projects at, at once. Yeah, so far it's working. I just need to, like I said before the, the show, I have to just get better at managing my time between all of this and the day job and everything to be able to be more efficient in getting things done on time. Um, uh, We've talked to... I want to go, but still stick with the art for a second. We've talked to comic creators who say that the turnaround time on art, at least good art, is so long that you've 
I got the impression, I don't know if, if it was said, but I got the impression that you have all the time in the world to write, that you can have, you know, dozens of scripts ready to go and you're just waiting on art for months and months and months. Uh, is that your experience so far with the interior artwork on this project? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, the biggest delays really were just when you had major internet problems for, for a while and you just couldn't get in touch with me. So that's really the reason it took as long as it did. I mean, the actual work itself, he does it mean, when, when he didn't have any issues with, with internet or connectivity, whatever, he was able to get stuff done. I mean, reasonably quick. I don't know what the standard is to really judge it by, but it felt pretty quick in terms of uh, a turnaround time from when we start to then, you know, do the, the sketch. And then, um, I mean, with uh, and finalizing the sketch, like inking it, and then moving on to uh, to the full color at the end. When it, well, for the for the internals, there was no full color, obviously. So that was obviously one step less. I mean, the color I think took the longest, like for the covers. Like that was by the longest, you know, piece on its own, because you know it's obviously more a little more complicated to to get done, I guess. Um, but you know, it hasn't really again, apart from those out of our control delays, it really hasn't. I mean, it really hasn't taken more lo longer than I expected. Maybe a, maybe a little bit, but you know, for the comic, that's part of the reason why I want to like before I get any sequential art for that started i want to be able to uh have at least like a good chunk of script uh ready for uh so like ready for him to look at so you could also you know get a sense of how it's gonna how the pacing will be whatever so that just and also if i get a lot done at once then i can just wait for the art and i can you know take a little more leisurely time working on more scripts because i'll have time to spare love it um, speaking of speaking of which we got speaking of having good artists who share your vision, Arden on Studio hanging out in chat. He suggests don't use rivet men for art. The art should contain what it needs to know more. Don't draw every leaf on every tree. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. You your your style, the style that you're looking for, the anime style, is with with a few exceptions, not that kind of detail. So I don't imagine you even have that problem. Yeah, okay, I mean like he's my artist seems to have a good sense of what needs to be seen and in terms of the background now obviously some backgrounds are more complicated than others depending on the scene being portrayed but um, a lot of them don't require that much and obviously the style lends to a little bit more of a, of a simple designs at least in some respects so i think it definitely helps with that and obviously that's also part of the reason why i wanted to get you know character and ship concept art for the comic done well in advance because this makes it easier for the artist to have all that to reference on hand like the ship art that i got even included um like a top view and a side view so he really has a lot of reference for everything that is will make the actual art once we get to the sequential stuff go a little bit faster because i won't then have to come up with all those designs for for things that are going to appear a lot for things that will appear you know once or twice and now you come up with on the spot i guess but the things that are going that are going to be you know constant and you needing to be on screen throughout the series, you want to have those references. So I mean for this series now, I mean all the main characters have been on a cover already. So it's a lot easier if I want to commission art of them again with him. He just I could just tell you he knows the characters by name at this point. So I could just say, like, this is who it is, and you know, if there's a different outfit or whatever needed for that scene or different equipment, I could just add that. But otherwise he knows how they look, he knows, you know, um, what, what, what they're wearing, what, what, the, what equipment they have. So it just uh, makes everything work a lot nicer and uh, a little bit quicker also. 
it sounds like you've got it all figured out. And all we need to do is figure out how to get 30 hours into every day. Yeah, that and figuring out how to just get better at marketing in general is the, but that's a constant struggle. I mean, I'm trying to figure this out. I think I've gotten better. It's just not as, not as fast as I would like, but uh, it is, I mean, as evidenced by the Kickstarter being my biggest one by far. I mean, obviously something went right with that. And uh, I have found some better places to promote this series because again, anime style, like fan, fans of anime stuff tend to be easier to find and reach than space opera fans beyond, you know, Star Wars pages. So that helped. I actually found some Israeli like anime fan discords that I promoted in. I had to, or I had to, I had to use my Hebrew a little bit to promote it in those groups the other day. Uh, so that was fun. And you know, also oh, once, cool. once we have once we have conventions again, whenever that happens, I'm going to try and you know get a little table at some of these local. Like we have a bunch of small anime focused conventions here every year. I think I went to one just to see what it was like a few months ago when we had like a brief window between. Uh, like they gave me maybe two or three weeks where things were almost normal before they got back to not normal again. Uh, so I got to go visit one just to see what it was like. And so I, I definitely want to try to get a little table at one of these anim more anime-focused places or conventions next year, hopefully once. Uh, hopefully things will be a little bit more open. Um, two, two things from the chat real quick. Um, Carlos Carrasco asks in your story, is Uriel the only character with a superpower? Uh, he is not. I mean, it's on a fantasy world, so magic is, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know how how common I would say it is, but it's, you know, common enough. I mean, a few of the supporting characters have uh, have magical abilities. One of the supporting characters doesn't strictly have magic, but he has mother, I mean, the guy who has my avatar right now. Uh, he doesn't have magic per se, but he has, you know, he's not human, so he has some other abilities uh, that you know, I guess, can be considered supernatural or superpower. But I mean, it's not really in this, not in the same, not in the I guess superhero sense of the word. It's all like, like each character has their own you know abilities, whether it's magical or otherwise, that you know contributes to uh, to the whole team, basically. So plus, uh, plus he looks yeah. really, really cool. That guy yes, is on I, fire. Yes, he's uh, yes. Well, he's yeah, that's natural, so it's it's fine. He's safe. <laughs> um, hey, Ardenon's got some advice for you. Uh, commission a simple 3D wireframe of your spaceships. Use a lot in the comics so that an artist can import the wireframe for use in drawing yeah. odd angles. Yeah, I got to take a look into seeing how much that costs. I mean, what I got when I commissioned the concept art, um, it also came with like a black and white like a labeled version with different you know, labeling, which uh, like certain parts of the ship. So I have like a black and white version and I have, then I have the color version of uh, like a, you know, a basic image and then the the side view and the top view. So now I'll see, I'll ask my, I mean, I already sent my artist uh, those concept art so he could already start, you know, getting with the feel of what they look like and uh, figure out, you know, just if he wants to practice at all, just, uh, because I'll have a few months at least before I even want to start doing sequential art for this. So that's part of the reason why I wanted to get the ships, especially the main ships, done now. I mean, there are a few more I have to do still. I think three more that I have to get done early that will be appearing a lot, but most of them are done already. So, so yeah, I'm going to I mean, I'll, I'm gonna ask him what he wants in terms of uh, how much information I give him in terms of 
scripts and everything, but this is still very early on in the process, so I'm not going to rush that. I still also going to have to have him take a break from that at some point to go do artwork for volume six through ten before too long. I'm going to start off. I'm going to start with those. Hopefully, another month or two, maybe. Uh, so I want to just keep things rolling. I love to hear it. Frankly, every time we check in with with you and what you're doing, I I love the stuff that I see. Um, we've uh, and if you guys are wondering what happened to DW, we just got some technical difficulties. Uh, but I wanted to check in with uh, no. you right you right now, Daddy Warpig. See if you had any uh, anything you wanted to say or anything you want to ask to Yakov. It wasn't a technical difficulty. I'm uh, I'm broadcasting into this on my phone. And uh, my thumb, when I went to shift hands on my on my phone, my thumb hit the leave button. That's not a technical difficulty. That's a human that's, error, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's operator that operator error. Operator error, or the old uh, the the old pebcac error code. Yeah. So, you know, the technical the technical details are working fine. <laughs> I just want to reassure everyone. The computer is computing quite excellently. No, I just uh uh I was gonna ask if these books were inspired by light novels, uh, but John already answered that question all by himself earlier. So I didn't have to answer the, I didn't have to ask that question, and you don't have to answer that question. But uh, for the benefit of those in the audience who may not know, do you want to tell people what a light novel is? I mean, as best I understand it, they're just, it's like short. I mean, they're not always short from what I've heard, but they're often short novels. I mean, they're more, they was more popular, I guess, not right now, or at least probably in Japan. I mean, that's where the term mostly applies to, you know, anime style light novels, but I don't know if it, strictly has to be that but until they're they tend to be short but not always and they usually have internal illustrations inside um and the number obviously varies but uh as far as i know that's really it i think i don't know i haven't really read that many of them so i don't really have like a huge uh experience with reading light novels before i write them but uh, I've written longer stuff, so I think it was a little easier to translate down like, or scale down to this for, uh, I think, for Light Into Another I, I think you're being modest, Yakov. Are we underselling just how, I mean, it's a light novel called Light Unto Another World about a guy whose power is bringing light. And his, this name, is, means, well, and, and his name means God's light or something to that effect in Hebrew, because, I mean, Uri, that's, like, that's how it translates to English. Oh, my goodness, that's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Maybe I'm just slow. I think that's clever. Yeah, well, that, that, that's why the the title came as easily as it did, too. Part, well, part of the reason why. Also, it comes from the, the, the phrase, light it to the nations. Like That's like a thing in uh, in Judaism also that we that is like a phrase that's, you know, well known. So and since the main character was a Jewish character, so it also just made, it was a very, you know, it made sense to me to use that as a title also. Yeah, and and as you said, you've got uh, you've got a sizable group of anime fans there in Israel. So that just um, obviously that's got an angle in appealing to 
that audience, but how does it affect the way you approach the story wait. or the character? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, wait. What? I mean, what would I do? Israelis are weebs? <laughs> I don't know how, I, I don't know what the percentages are, but there are there are plenty. When I went to like that, like a general, like I guess Israel's, I guess closest uh, equivalent to Comic Con I went to maybe two years ago, and ninety percent of the cosplays that I saw there were anime cosplays, and there are a bunch of anime like small anime conventions or stuff like that over the course of the year. So there's again, I don't know what the raw numbers are, but there seems to be no small amount. And then people seem to get to be excited when I shared it. <laughs> yeah, it gets everywhere. Never, ever, no ever anywhere. would have guessed that. That's amazing. Yeah. I interrupted you. Yeah, you can so, go ahead and answer the question. I'm so sorry. I no, just, so, no, I mean, no, so the main, I guess the main way that influences the story is that's a guy for a very like a religious character also. Which is something that you don't see very much in modern uh, fiction, especially fantasy in general, but you're not you know, religious characters in a, in a positive light. So I wanted to do that also. It's something that I could actually, you know, do a Jewish character right because ninety percent of the time it's done by Hollywood or whatever. With uh, where even if they're Jewish people themselves, they're like completely unaffiliated. So like it's like very very bare bones, very generic, or and there's never a religious character. Also like someone who could fight. So it's like it it does bother me a little bit because it can be done better and I can do it. So if no no one else will do it but me, so I was like, you know what? I'll be the one to do it. And write like a religious Jewish character who's the hero of a fantasy series because it hasn't ever been done before, as far as I can tell. Good for so, good for uh, you because because Hollywood comes out with nothing but trash. Yes. And the last the last thing we need is yet another of the stereotypical Jewish atheist characters. Yeah, or like the like the like all like the wimpy characters, and it's just you know annoying. Woody so, Allen uh, style characters. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah, thinking of Stiller. <laughs> Or Ben Stiller. Yes, uh, yes, I've had enough of that. So I'm doing, you know, very much different thing. Also, again, I can portray type of Jewish character that I want people to see and give like a better portrayal of things than someone who's, you know, completely non-religious. Yeah, so, you're like um, I just like I just got out of the Israeli military, dude. Israelis are badass. Let's <laughs> uh, yeah. let's let's not let's not go with these wimpy stereotypes. Yeah, and there are plenty of religious guys in the military who. You know, who can kick ass if they need to. So, even even Israeli TV is the same problem. I mean, they'll have like you know tough characters, but they really almost I don't think I've ever seen an Israeli show even that has like a tough character who is also religious. Like the big show uh, Fauda that was very which is terrible, by the way. <laughs> At least for my opinion, I hate it. But uh, part of my issue with it is like they can't have one religious character on the, on the out, of, out of the the Jewish characters on the show. It is too much to do, apparently. <laughs> So it's like even here it's the same problem. It never it goes to never combine. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. And uh, people who have read the book, books, book or books so far, I mean, not many yet. Obviously, that's not out yet. Although my Kickstarter backers did get book one already, uh, an ebook format. Uh, do seem to like it and like the character. And, and I don't think it's overloaded with um, religious stuff in the book. I think my, my main beta reader um, on Twitter, he's uh, Archivist Pulp. I think you all you might know him also. Mm. So uh, so he, he offered to beta read the whole series, and I wanted somebody who wasn't Jewish to beta read it to make sure that anything, like anything that's in there, whether it's transliterated, you know, prayers or stuff, which obviously was translated too when necessary, or any you know, references to stuff that it's not 
you know, too much or somebody who's not, you know, familiar with it, obviously. I don't want to be that guy who writes uh, like something that's only really understandable by a small group of people. Right. Um, yeah. That makes sense. You have to have gone through Jewish school and read the Torah to understand <laughs> the series. That that would be bad. Yeah, especially because a lot of the a lot of the anime fans here are probably not religious themselves, so they might not even know stuff. So it's like you know, I just want to make it accessible to as wide audience as possible while obviously keeping the character, you know, true to who he is, who I created him as in terms of his faith and in terms of, uh, his mindset, which is almost as important in some respects. That's good. So, and so far I think it's working and it's, uh, like I said, it's like, I also, I think, I think another inspiration actually for the series was our mutual friend, John De La Rose's, uh, what was it called? The Nano Templar. Uh, series that he wrote, which I've, I think I've read the first, I've read all of it yet. But he also, I mean, it was, there was, you know, obviously like an obvious allegory for Christianity there, but he was really, did a really good job, I thought, of having a character who was religious and, you know, who had positive influence on those around him in order to, uh, you know, help, help them improve themselves, but without the book coming off as like, like like a sermon or a preaching to anybody, which I which I liked a lot, which kind of helped me figure out how I wanted to incorporate religious stuff into this series in a way that you know feels natural and influences people around my main character, but without coming off as heavy-handed or anything. I mean, also Judaism, we don't believe in in uh, proselytizing, so it wouldn't that wouldn't be natural anyway. But also, I just mainly just wanted to make sure it's accessible to a wide audience, but while still keeping what I want in there in terms of uh, who this character is and what values he holds because uh, that's important, especially, especially nowadays. Yeah. We're, we're, in fact, we were talking about this with the previous guest, John Mollison. I think it was an after show uh, conversation, but the, yeah, the, the way the culture is going, people are more open to that sort of genuine expression of, religion and religious values without assuming that it's some sort of cynical sermon or or being heavy heavy-handed message or something like that and so i'm i'm happy for people like you and jda and and others who are going forth with that mindset i I think one of the best things i've seen in religious um in fiction by religious people is that they don't feel all the guilt for having action and violence and even a touch of, uh, you know, allure and sexiness in their works. Because, man, I tell you, a lot of the what they would call Christian media and stories and movies just suck. I mean... I, I I respect a lot of creators, but man, good people, decent people, honest people need to realize that if you're a good, decent, and honest person, you're going to be making good stuff, and you don't need to feel guilty if your story has violence in it. You don't need mm. to feel guilty yeah. if you have bad guys that are actually really bad guys and do bad things. Um, and I point to Nick Cole's books be, uh, as a great example of that. 
And you don't need to feel guilty if you have a man who desires a woman or if you have a woman who's an alluring uh, femme fatale. And I point to John Wright's um, Chamber of Memory uh, as an example of that, um, uh, which has a, a, a succubus um, seducing someone. As, as a central plot point. I mean, I understand wanting to write a book that your mom can read and wanting to write a book that your pastor can read. I get that. Or wanting to write a book that you can take before God and, and not feel embarrassed by. But that's not the standard for quality and that's not the standard for morality and decency and that's not the standard for having done a good thing. You can write yeah. books that are about humanity, that are about flawed people, that are about um, the real world without uh, doing anything wrong. But I think it's, it's marvelous the new generation or the upcoming generation of writers who are unafraid to let their religious influences show um, or to even put them central in the books and make them plot points while at the same time not shying away from uh, the, the facets of humanity we know are there. We know people are, are sexual beings. We know adults have sexual thoughts and are sexually attracted to each other. We know people are violent and that war happens and that some people love violence. Some people love hurting other people and that combat is thrilling to read about um, and that you don't have to feel guilty. Uh, and it is too often good people hamper themselves by feeling like there's a whole host of things they can't do otherwise it's bad when in reality those actions are not bad and in fact may be utterly necessary to make good and great fiction and rather than be worrying all the time about whether it's good or bad, you should just write the absolute best book you can and don't worry about it. Because if you're a good person, what you write will be good. Um, and there's uh, even a section of scripture in the New Testament, for those of you who are Christian, where... Christ said, by their fruits ye shall know them, because a good tree bringeth forth good fruits. He doesn't say that a good tree has to worry all the time and fret and check itself just to make sure it's bringing forth good fruits. No, a good tree will bring forth good fruits. And if you're a good person, you will bring forth good fruits. That is, the stuff you produce will be morally good because you're a good person. So don't worry about it. 
Write the absolute highest quality stories you can write. Write the most gripping, the most thrilling, the most touching, the most horrifying, the most uh, thrilling stories you can. And if pieces about how your hero is uh, struggling with their own demons or struggling with their own sins fall in there, and don't worry about it. You see the world in the way that a good person will if you're a good person and you will write good stories. It, it, it'll just happen because that's what happens with good writers, with, with people who are morally uplifted themselves and write morally uplifting tales. Because if you're a good person, you're not going to write a tale about nihilism, about how the world is worthless and how morality is pointless and how marriage is just a trap and how children are burdens and who you're better off without and how, um, you know, whatever. You don't believe those things. You're not going to write stories that teach those things. Um and so I think the reduction in guilt uh, of feeling guilty about what you write is a marvelous thing to see. And, uh, um, and I, think the, I think the fiction being produced by the people who have gotten beyond that, that guilt and also the music and art, uh, you know, painting, sculpture, whatever, uh, movies, TV shows, and stuff uh, will only continue to improve in quality because um, it's freeing people up to make truly compelling, uh, truly compelling fiction. And there's still a place for the earlier stuff. There's still a place for people who want to make that kind of stuff. That's fine, but man. There's a great need for for diehard movies that were written by people who aren't afraid to have John McClane, you know, wearing a cross and kiss it or saying, you know, God help me or, you know, wearing a Star of David or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people can't find the balance, I guess, between writing a fun story but also you know being okay with what they're portraying in it or that's how you get you know the stereotypical you know christian fiction or jewish fiction people like and people they often make fun of and a lot of it deserves to be made fun of sometimes because it ends up being boring or or just um not not fun to that's not fun to read and people are, who aren't part of your little your in group are not going to read it because it's not interesting to them so you need to be able to find the balance between, you know, like keeping it, you can, you can still keep things reasonably, I guess, for lack of a better term, appropriate while still having the adventure and the fun and any romance, whatever, in the book. And I mean, like I, I have no problem with my parents reading my books, even though, like, I push things a little bit, maybe sometimes in some respects. But, like, I mean, I, I know what I want to read. So I can write what I like, what I know I would like. And then hopefully other people will uh, will agree with that once uh, once they pick it up.
Well John, said. It's your turn. <laughs> if you if you thought I had something intelligent to add, the answer is no. You guys said it. <laughs> um, that's in fact that's what I was thinking throughout the whole thing. I'm like, I don't know how to follow this up. <laughs> in in all seriousness, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Unless Eddie Warpig has any other questions. No. The light and, novel thing was my, was my one question. And uh, Yakov, uh, what else do you want to say before we sign off? Uh, I don't know if there's really too much else apart from be sure to pick up uh, Volume 1, which comes out on 31st is Tuesday, I think. Yes, yeah, Tuesday. And Volumes 1 through 5 are all available for pre-order, so you could get all five of these uh pre-order them already, and they'll be coming out every month, uh, basically. So I guess the next one will be September 30th, and then uh, November, December, so the last one comes out literally the last day of the year. So I get to claim that I put out five books this year, uh, right under the wire. So, uh, yeah, so just be sure to, uh, if you haven't, if, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people already who might be here might have already either pre-ordered or might have uh, back to Kickstarter, who is my again my biggest Kickstarter by far. But anybody watching who hasn't yet, they're all available on Amazon. And also, if you want to uh, check out my Mecha serial, that's on my Patreon. And also, subscribe star for anybody who doesn't want to support Patreon, that's an option too. And for any any support tier, will uh, get access to that. So, like on Patreon, the lowest is two dollars. So that's access to the seven to ten thousand words a month, uh, give or take. Of, uh, of Mecca Space Opera, uh, set in set in the galaxy, set in actually, but it's not directly tied to the main series at all. It's set like a thousand years or whatever before, so there's no direct connection beyond a few Easter eggs that people who paid a lot of attention might pick up on. But it's not really the point of it. <laughs> That's just oh, there cool. for fun. Uh, well, well, you'll have to get me the link. Uh, what's the link to the Patreon anyway? Uh, yeah, I could just okay, I can paste it in the chat, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll make sure it's I'll make sure oh, it's okay. in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you and, just uh, just patreon.com slash Yakov Merkin, I think, but I'll just I'll paste it in the chat so we could Okay. Uh yeah, I put it in the StreamYard chat. And uh Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll share that. Uh, that's correct. Yeah, the art. Sure yeah, the art. The art yeah. yeah, the art. The art for that was also you might have seen it on the on my Instagram when you scroll through before. There were a couple mecha arts on there. One of them is not introducing the series yet. The other one is. So uh, those I got did get art for that done also because I wanted to have something to promote it with. So uh, yes, that was Perfect. that was fun also. Perfect. So yeah, be sure to check that out. Um, I'm going to wrap up by saying thank you for coming on. It's uh, it awesome to talk to you. Like I said before, I love yeah. seeing every time you come on, we see some great progress, and I love all the stuff that you're working on. So, and I wish you the best of luck in in managing all the different projects you've got spinning on your plates right now. Yeah, thank you. Uh, big shout out to chat. Uh, you you had a lot of fans here. Uh, they're awesome as usual. Yeah, make sure make, like sure, make, make, make sure, make sure, make sure to review the books uh, once they come out. You can't do it before they release, but the day book one comes out, you could post a review of it, and that'll obviously be very helpful. 
Please do. Yeah. Get those. If you get those pre-orders, review the book as soon as possible. That's yeah. The 31st, they're coming out. And uh, the, first the, end, book. the first, the first, first book. book is. The, yeah. And then every month thereafter. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks everybody for hanging out and joining us listening today. Appreciate everybody in the chat talking. Fiona Wolf joined us late. Glad to see you with us as always. Um, and big thanks to uh, Yakov and my inimitable uh, host, Daddy Warpig. Oh, is that? Yeah, is that's that, that was your name. That was your name. It's my time. It's your. It's one of my favorite times of the week, actually. I when when you do the intro and the outro, I just I sort of sit back and I and I'm pumped. I love it. <laughs> Um, well, folks, uh, I had a mini rant I wanted to do about detailed art, but today is not the day. Uh, art Anon is right, though. Uh, overly detailed art gets in the way of what the art should convey. Um, and, uh, man, do I have a rant about that. Uh, because it's been bugging the crap out of me recently. Uh, so I hope sometime we get a we get a show where uh, that can come back up and I can really talk about that. Uh, and it's also got uh, a lot to do with why superhero costumes are what they call spandex, which are... Uh, which what really superheroes are, are not wearing spandex. They're actually nude drawings colored on top of with quote-unquote costumes uh, and secondary sexual features obscured. They're Renaissance paintings of nude characters, uh, of nude art, and Greek sculptures and uh, pottery and other things of nude uh, figures. When you look at superheroes, the reason why they wear spandex is the same reason why Greek uh, statuary is nude and why Renaissance paintings are nude. Um, and the reason why Batman and Superman's costumes work but a lot of the costumes from the 90s and today don't work is the same reason why Ardenon said, don't go with rivet men, don't draw every leaf on the tree. And I really want to get into that uh, as a rant sometime, but those are the basic facts. And uh, if you're uh, especially clever, which being our audience, I'm sure you are, you can already see the broad outline of the point I'm trying to make. So we may get into that some other time. We have another guest coming that next week, though, don't we, John? Yeah, we've uh, queued up uh, P. Alexander of Kursova. He's another guy who's got tons of stuff going on. He's always publishing something new. So we're going to talk to him about what's new in his wheelhouse, as well as get a behind-the-scenes look in the Trollopolis game that we talked to Jeffra about a couple of weeks ago, so we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna 
wring every last drop of amusement out of that Trollopolis session that we can, uh, because it was so entertaining. And a vague possibility, depending on schedules and uh, individual interest, um, it is possible that we could have a roundtable discussion with uh, players of Trollopolis just to hear uh, what their point of view of the campaign was, maybe with Jeffra sitting in. So we're kind of trying to get that put together to see if that maybe works. If it doesn't come together, we apologize. But you know what our plans are like around here. If it does, then it'll probably be a great show. So P. Alexander next week uh, and uh, maybe the Trollopolis Roundtable some vague time in the future. I'm also... Uh, I'm going to see about getting uh, John C. Wright back on the show. So, you know, we're working. We're hustling, getting some more guests and doing some more things. Uh, oh, yeah, one quick review. I re-watched Band of Brothers this week. And in case you were worried, it's still awesome. It. <laughs> He was so excited about Band of Brothers, I think he must have hit that leave button again. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes, it yeah. is very good. That's one of the best. Hey, you were okay, so excited. Now, what happened? That was a legit technical issue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I would still recommend Band of Brothers. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's cleared the decks. We're ready to go. I want to thank everybody who tuned into the show and listened live, everybody who participated in the, uh, as always, electrifying and awesome chat. I want to thank our great guest, Yakob Merkin, and wish him all the best with his light novel series. And uh, I want to thank uh, everybody who will listen later on uh, any one of our channels. We're here about this time every Saturday, youtube.com slash geekgab. That is youtube.com slash geekgab. Or you can get us on soundcloud.com, the Google Play Store, or iTunes Music Store, iTunes Media Store. Just do a search for geekgab. We are available to download on the device of your choice or listen to on the web. That's all for today, folks. We are signing out, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.